Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. Hey, 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 how's everybody doing? What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Where, where are you? Where the heck are you? I'm always on the road. You never know where I'm going to show up. You know, we've been talking about it a lot, uh, a lot of operator mode type stuff. I'm, I'm in technician operator mode right now. I'm over at a 76-unit apartment building that uh, we just took management over on um, and that we're eventually going to be purchasing here in the very near short future. Um, so I am in the basement uh, in the maintenance man in the maintenance man's uh, closet. So if I lose you guys, that's why. But I'm here and excited. Damn. Damn, you're doing it all today. The technician side, the manager side, the visionary side. You got uh, the whole email, all the, the whole email going in one. Yeah, yeah. So here I am. I'm uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. So I apologize if nice. I got bad video, bad video, um, but I'm here. All good. Well, we got a super exciting show today. Um, we got Zach Bryant from Northrop Realty that's going to be hopping on in a second. Super excited to, to have him on. You know what I was thinking about earlier today, Ian? You know how I always start every show with like, you know, I love interviewing, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Thing. Yep. That's the case with everything. I love I love interviewing real estate agents um, in general because they have such a good pulse on what's going on in the market. You know, they're dealing with so many buyers, so many sellers, so many potential lenders, title companies, um, maybe even contractors. So really excited to get Zach up here uh, in a second. So today is Monday, May the 11th. Uh, we timestamp every show. Uh, obviously, we believe that's very important uh, as things go on because things that we might have talked about yesterday might not be relevant uh, today or tomorrow. So it's important that we're timestamping uh, all of these shows. Uh, what else do we have today? Anything in particular uh, besides uh, the whole bunch of mess it looks like you have behind you? <laughs> no, 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 no. We got, we got Zach, um, and I have not. I'll be honest, I've not had a chance to look up anything else that's going on. I've been grinding it out all morning, but I'm sure he'll bring up something that will spark our interest, and we'll go from there. Cool. Well, Zach, Zach's an amazing person. I've known him for a few years now, and um, when he hops on right now, he it's uh, you know it's impressive how he's grown uh, you know his real estate sales for you know over 130 million dollars. Uh, since he got in this business in 2014, um, you know that's that's pretty impressive. I don't really know any other real estate agents that have done that, but uh, let's have Zach hop on real uh, real quick, and we'll go from there. What's up, man? What's up, Zach? What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Great. How are you? Good. So, just what? Trying to trying to keep it uh, keep it going. Absolutely. So why don't we just start a little bit of background, just about kind of about you and maybe how you got started in the, in real estate in 2014. Yeah. So I, I was working in, you know, corporate America. I was in the sports industry and just wanted more for myself, um, just more for my life, my family opportunities and just to enjoy what I was doing. So where I was really wasn't getting that and decided that I wanted to take a shot and just get into kind of owning my schedule, running my own business, thought real estate was cool, really always enjoyed houses and how they work and um, kind of just took a leap of faith, quit my job and jumped on with Craig. I've been, you know, I was, it was the Craig Northrup team back, back in 2014. Um, I had met his son, Will at a, at another company and just reached out as the first person I reached out to in the industry and kind of lucked out, hit the jackpot there. So it's been, been almost six years, right, right around six years. Exactly. No, that's, that's great. So 
what would you say? Because obviously, I don't know on average what a normal real estate agent does. Um, you know, you know, whatever a, a transaction a month or whatever, whatever the case yeah, is. It's maybe you know, one one a month, one a month on average. Like, like, what would you say has really helped you just catapult to where you were at? Um, you know, from the beginning, and obviously, these are I'm assuming these are key principles that you follow on a regular basis to get to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, I think number one is Jeff, just be authentic, be yourself. Don't try to put on a show. I mean, do that, but make that's really who you are. Uh, don't try to put on a front like you're somebody you're not. And, um, you know, I've always held that with me and thought that, okay, if, if I just meet people and put myself in situations where like open houses, I mean, it's funny cause we can't do them right now. Um, so I, I've, I've definitely evolved with some things there, but open houses were my principal from day one because Craig Northrop did open houses. I mean, even when I joined and he was like, he was already like a celebrity six years ago. And, you know, I was like, that guy works open houses. That's crazy. Like, what is he doing? Wasting his time. Then I realized that it's actually a great way to exponentially meet people and, you know, putting yourself in those situations where like when you guys do an event and you're having new investors come, they may know other, other people to borrow money from, but just the meeting alone puts you in a category of, of being able to meet with them. Um, you know, I'm from here. That certainly helps. I grew up in Baltimore city. I've, I've kind of done business in the Metro area. So Baltimore and all the surrounding counties include Howard County and that's where Northrop is from Baltimore County, Hartford County, places like that. And um, I, I just, my parents are counselors. That's what they do. They're entrepreneurs. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think I just so appreciated being able to run my own business when I got in that, you know, my first year in the business, I was the number one agent, you know, at North, when it was the Craig Northrop team, there was 50 or 60 people. I was the number one agent units wise the first year I was there because I was just wow. determined. And the, the pace at which I work, I learned from Craig, you know, Craig works at a much faster pace than everybody else. And that's one of the main reasons he's so successful is just, he not only moves at a quick pace, but he moves on and solves problems much faster than anybody I've been around. Um, he's just so good at that. Like he almost attracts the problems to then be done with them, but they don't <laughs> stick around long. Well, they don't stick around. So he doesn't really, he doesn't ever have like drama surrounding him when you're around him. If you have a question or something that you need help with, he can give you an answer to pretty much everything in a, in a, a sentence or two. And a lot of it's stuff you already knew. You just maybe didn't think to ask the right way. Well, and I think that comes back to a good coach or a good a good leader. You know, they usually have an answer, and it's not that they – it wouldn't be beneficial if you said, hey, Zach, this is the answer. Go on. You know what I mean? Whereas he can get you to extract it. When somebody extracts that information from you, um, it goes a long way. And I think that's really neat that you brought up all those points. What do you see as um, – what do you see as going forward, you know, with open houses? You said that was like a great way for you to really get going. Where do you see that going from here and, you know, the likelihood of open houses even coming back? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the good thing is um, you can't – people typically don't even buy shoes online. So the, this whole movement of like people are going to start actually buying houses online, I'm not sold on it. Um, I think it definitely helps weed out some houses that you might not want to look at. If you have the 3d tour and the, and whatever else it is better access to more tools, but I think people have to go in houses. So what I think it may do is it may drive people to realtors earlier in the process because they don't have that, uh, especially right now, 
um, they don't have that advantage of saying, you know what, I'll just go see a bunch of houses first and then I'll contact a realtor once I maybe find one I like. A lot of people take that approach. And so I think let's just talk about the rest of the year. That's going to be a little bit different. I do think they will open back up. There goes Ian. There he is. I do think they will open back up, but I think that it's so hard to say. I mean, I'm just I'm moving on as if they're never going to be able to happen again. So um, I'll be okay. Uh, it's just that, yeah, I mean, people are, people are going to basically need to get in touch with realtors earlier and educate themselves earlier versus waiting and waiting and waiting to the last minute when they absolutely need somebody versus when they should have first contacted somebody. It's like somebody you know applying for a loan or, or going and getting information for a loan a week before they want to apply versus six months before to know what they should do in the process. So, 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 okay. So we're talking about not having open houses. Is that, is that where that kind of Well, no, I think we, I think we will. I think we will. I think they will be back. Okay. But I, I, I think my mentally, you know, I'm not putting a date in my head of when I think, cause it's just all speculation at this point. Yeah. But well, it, I, think I, they, I think they answer your question. They will be back. I believe so. Well, I think there's so many resources, especially in that space, uh, you know, to change and to pivot. And, and one thing that, you know, I've learned a long time ago, you know, year, years ago that we that we somewhat practiced. And I believe that everybody gets this now is what I think what I believe is called the online offline blend and how there's so much stuff that you can do online. There's so much. But then again, there's so much stuff that needs to be done offline. And then if you learn how to blend the two of them together and inside our businesses, if we operate like that, it goes it can just go so much further. And I think open houses is a good example of that. I think real estate in general is a good example of that. As so many people do the research on the internet, it's cheap, it's free, it's accessible. And then when the time comes of, you know what, these are the hundred houses I've looked at. These are the three or five that I really, really want. You know, I'm not going to go waste time, you know, on these. I'm going to just go on to these. So I, and I yeah. think, you know, the open house and in general, because people are going to be cautious. I mean, listen, things aren't going to just open up and pick up where they left off. You know, I, if people believe that, I think that's silly. I just don't see that happening. Even if restaurants are open, if houses are open, whatever the case is, any industry is open, there's still going to be, you know, the consumer is not going to have full confidence to go and do that. And they might not have full confidence to, hey, you know, you probably are able to, you know, charm people by shaking their hand, looking them, themselves in the eye, demand, right. demand respect. Like that's a big trait for any salesperson. And, you know, Craig, on the, under, uh, on the other hand, is super tall. So he hops up to you like this, and then you just know who he is, right? So we've all, we all have those skill sets that as good salespeople and, and business owners, um, we utilize, and that's probably not there anymore. Like, I think people are going to be a little bit more standoffish. They're not going to meet you somewhere and, you know, get a firm handshake from you anymore. So there's other ways that you kind of have to win, you know, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really good book called Seven Levels of Communication. I actually have it right here on my desk. And it actually yep. has a, pyramid, a communication pyramid in here. And it talks about that. And at the top of the pyramid is one-on-one -on -one meetings. So it, it, you have to basically, you know, look in here and say, like, Zoom calls isn't on here. StreamYard and all these <laughs> services is not in here. So, so you know, we have to be, we have to be cognizant of that. And, and, and you have to evolve. Like, handwritten notes. I mean, I, I tell I was talking to an agent and I said, How many handwritten notes do you do you write? And they said, Not that many. I, I text people. And I said, Okay, that's great. How many texts do you get a day? And they said, Oh, you know, 20 or 30. I said, Well, how many handwritten notes do you get a day? And then, you know, answers your question right there. You're not gonna get many. So um that's you're right. right. You're right. You have to kind of take that and say, 
there's got to be other ways that we can. You've done a great job. I mean, you guys have seen, I and mean, I've seen you, your, your show, and you've been consistent over a month and a half where you might have people now that are kind of just jumping into this after they've seen a hundred other people do it. Um, but I think those are the things you stand out and you be a difference maker. And like we talked about before on the call, I isn't a you guys, but your business is, is, is moving. And Ian, obviously you're, you know, all the things you're doing as well from an investment side are moving as well. So there's things that we're all doing differently and that we look at the opportunity of this and say, this is a challenge. And, and we want to, we want to have a chance to, to stand out because everybody else can just keep doing the same things and they're going to lose. So if we, if we're innovative and we change and we grow um, and we stand out, that's the key is being different. Then we're going to be successful because the work ethic that got you to this point is not going to change. It's just how you're going to apply yourself. That's right. A hundred percent. So where, where do you think, you know, and I, I get that statement of being different um, or being unique and really setting yourself out apart, but where's that fine for you? Where do you think that fine line is between, you know, being different, but still doing stuff in a conventional way that people understand they're not like, you know, this guy's mm -hmm. crazy. I, I'm not doing any business with him. Um, and I well, fully understand your point. I just want elaborate on that a little deeper well a way a way to stand out i think right now is to be different is to be positive and and just to be have a spin on everything you do to be positive that's that's the difference if you're being negative and you're being fearful right now it just with your messaging then then just by focusing on specifically being positive and getting out a positive message to try to drown out all the negative and then on top of that being conventional with your communication style, you know, reaching out to your clients and, and just doing what you need to do. Of course, the one-on-ones have been effective. We just talked about, but I think the way that you, you want to stand out based on the vibe and your energy and, you know, who you're going to be through this is going to be making the person at the end of this that much more of a standout because they're like, man, you know, Jason and Ian, these guys are coming on, they're doing these consistent podcasts, even through this, like, they're not talking about how great they're doing, but they're not doing bad because they're clearly out here doing it. And, and I think that in and of itself and just being present and, and continue to put out what you guys are doing content. I mean, right now it's going to stand out more than ever because people are home. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And I, I think, um, you know, when people say, Oh, well, look, Zach's just a happy guy, right? Like it, it does take work to put that, you know, get your mind set and get right. It's very easy to go into doom and gloom. Um, mm -hmm. I think naturally for some people, it's just really easy. Um, but to take it and say, okay, this one thing is working in my business today and really expanding on that and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to implement this in my business every day and be happy about this one thing every day. Jason used a good line, um, that I literally recite every morning now is, um, <clears throat> if it's good for me, it's good for my business. You know, what, whatever that task may be, whether it's going to the gym, it's eating however the heck you want to eat, or it's getting rid of something bad in your business. If you if you use that mentally every day, I, I think you're going to advance a lot further. That, that's everybody out there. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't realize it all coincides. I didn't realize I mentioned that to you because I didn't make that up. Obviously, I had a, one of my old business coaches told me that, and I wrote it down on a bit on a business or on a index card and literally left it on my desk forever. And it's like if it's good for me, it's good for the business. Um, and if it's good for the business, good for me, and vice and vice versa. But and and context of where that came is, you know, sometimes, you know, entrepreneurs or business owners feel guilty if they're not just grinding full time. And it's our nature. And the reason why most people, um, you know, some people are successful, some people aren't is like, you know, you're, you're, 
your business is your hobby, your work, you know, light, you know, at work, at home, it's, it all overlaps, right? Everything we do just overlaps. And, you know, sometimes you feel potentially guilty if you're not kind of grinding or working hard enough. And, True that. but, but, but again, just like you take care of your business or, um, your, your kids or something else, you got to take care of yourself. And if you, yourself's not taking care of your, you're not going to work. So one mm-hmm. other thing related to what you said, Zach, earlier um, with, with this topic related to kind of kind of grinding through these times and staying taking care of your taking care of your clients and being happy and active and and just you know show them a smile on their face. Just the value in general. I mean, every business, all three bit we all three of us have different business models, and in general, there's so many different business models in. A broad level real estate, a little bit niche down of real estate investing. There's so many different business models, and there's so many people involved in each one of them. But yet, there's only some of you know there's, there's the top half or the top percentage are successful. And the reason why is you're providing value to your client. I know a lot of real estate agents. I know a lot of rental property owners. I know a lot of hard money lenders. It's just that simple. But why are some more successful than others? And it's it's, it's not just because you know you know, we potentially have a gift of like being happy and joyful and nice and kind and, and outgoing, but you're providing value to that, mm-hmm. to that client. Chances mm-hmm. are, and I've heard this, I've heard this in so many industries a long time for so long that chances are the person that you're buying your product from is probably not the the top number one expert. There's probably somebody smarter than them and maybe even better than them that you're buying that product from, but you're going to relate to somebody that you like, um, that you can relate to and that provides you value. And, you know, Ian and I both follow a lot of stuff that, that Gary Vaynerchuk uh, puts out, a lot of stuff that Russell Brunson puts out, and it's just providing tons and tons and tons and tons of value. And no matter what industry you're in, the more value you can provide, the more successful you're going to be. And I, and I remember reading this story about, you know, a swimming pool company. It was a local swimming pool company that was struggling and they were like, we're the best swimming pool company, but it's like, great. This little <laughs> mom and shop swimming pool company who's not as good as you is, has so much more success than you guys because they're doing this one thing and they're providing more value. And what and then what they were doing is they were creating content and articles and videos. And next thing you know, they were just known as like the swimming pool gurus um, because anytime you needed anything related to a swimming pool, you just knew that you could go on the internet and you could learn about it and learn about it. And then when it was time to buy a swimming pool, you buy it from them. And and again, it doesn't need to be, I don't think it needs to be videos or articles or blog. I think it's all that in general. It's just providing mm-hmm. a ton of ton of value with your clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. And who are you? I mean, that's the, I always ask agents when I, cause I coach agents you know, at Northrop and I say, who are you? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, to the people that know you, what is your reputation? You know, like, are you professional? Are you like organized? Are you not organized? I mean, like you have to have it. And, and I always make the analogy when I talk about social media, I say, Social media is like having a credit card, all right? It's better to have a bad credit score than no credit score. So my point is, if you if you have social media, you need to use it. Because even if somebody thinks you're annoying, there's going to be three people that see, oh, you know what? They're in that business, you know, and maybe I like them already. I'm going to use that person. And they put out the dumbest content I've ever seen, but you're still going to get business from it. So, so um I think that a lot of a lot of what we do, and you you talked about value is a huge word, and it's thrown around. I think it's it's sort of certainly just thrown around for whatever reason too. But the question I have is, and what I try to do is, how long do I want to provide value for these people? That's how you're successful. Is I'm not providing value through the transaction. I'm going to provide value for you for the rest of your life. So everything I do during the transaction 
is going to be with that in mind. I'm, I may not be the most organized. I might not be the best negotiator. I might not have everything in line and be the number one, but I have enough and I know where my value is down the road and what I do well, which is, you know, good friend, good re relationship builder um, and people that someone that likes to involve other people in my life. You know, I was where I was raised was my parents were very inclusive of other people. And so when I have people that are in my circle as clients, they're not in my circle as clients. They're just in my circle. They were clients and they, they got into the circle. Once you're in the circle, you don't have a category. So I don't look at it from a perspective of like, I got my clients over here, my friends, my family here. It's like, if, if we communicate with each other and we have a respect between each other, I'm going to give you all the benefits I could possibly give you to help you out. Yeah. And I, the one word that I hate, because I know a lot of gurus use it, but it is so true. And I need to find a way to repurpose this word, but it's, it's, they always say, I'm here to serve you. I, I don't know mm -hmm. why it drives me up a wall, but it, it really is true. I'm here to serve our tenants and provide them with a quality product. That's my value proposition. Jason's value proposition is serving people and providing them with a way to finance properties. And you're there to serve and provide a way for people to buy properties. You know, mm -hmm. and this is not where I thought this conversation was going to go. And I'm actually more excited about this conversation than talking about transactions. Um, <laughs> but there, there yeah, is too. about the value ladder, right? And bringing people into your network. And this goes for any facet of real estate, whether you're fixing and flipping, you're renting houses, you're lending money, you're a real estate agent, the people that you need around you, you're providing value to your contractors or you're providing value to your tenants or whoever it may be. You know, I get it. It's very easy just to go into transaction mode and say, oh, you're just a contractor. You know, let's, let's keep our distance. But, you know, it's the same thing for us. We bring those contractors in. They're a part of our family. They come up to our Creek house, we go to cookouts, we have a Christmas party, you know, like you're part of the family. Like you need something, call us, we're there. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people lose sight of that in business. Mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking, whether it's real estate or any business, um, business, it doesn't matter what you're doing. People people lose sight of that very quickly. Well, and it's not about one person. It's it's never about one person. And and you need a, it's a family, it's a tribe, whatever you're doing, you know, everybody's gonna work together. So if you're, you're an object contractor, or you're not treating him like he should be treating, just like you said, just like a contractor, then maybe his work's gonna suffer. Maybe he's gonna charge you more, who knows? But right. you shouldn't even think like that. You should be treating people like that in general. And I, I agree, it's not in practice as much as it's talked about. And yeah, exactly. And in most businesses in general, <clears throat> the longevity of the, the client and longevity of uh, being able to do business with them or people they know is, is forever. You know, the if you have one motivation, hey, you talk to somebody maybe at an open house or they walk into your office or you meet them for the first time and your one motivation is to try to sell them a house today or sell them a loan today or do this today, you're never going to succeed. It's that simple. I mean, I do loans for people that I created a relationship with five, even 10 years ago that I'm doing my first loan for them today. Same with you, I'm sure, with buying a house, selling a house to them. That's the business model is I'm going to provide you as much value if I if I get uh you know, money in return or not in return. Like it's, it's that simple. You got to, you, you can't judge the book by its cover and it's easy for people to judge a book by its cover. But you know, most times if you've been in business long enough, you get your, you know, you, you realize real quick, the first person you judge, you judge the wrong way that ends up failing because all of a sudden they knew so-and-so. And, -so. and mm -hmm. you know, I feel like real estate agents in general and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of them believe that the individual contact you have with one person, you believe that's that's your client that you're going to sell a house to. But really, the chances are 
let them be a sneezer for you because they have relatives and friends and family mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. one person. There's only so many time, to- only so many transactions you can do with that individual person, but mm-hmm. you know, they can spread to, so, you know, they spread so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I connect? How do I connect to somebody that has a network that's going to connect me to more people? Right. right. Am uh, I allowed to say spread like the virus or is it too soon? <laughs> I'm good with it. Yeah. Uh, so one of the questions I was going to ask you, which I might skip, but it was, it was related to, hold on. Zach just hopped off. Zach, we just lost Zach's internet. Hang on one sec. He'll come back. I'm just, um, while he's coming back, I, I'm glad that we just didn't talk about transactional real estate because it is super easy. Um, there's a there's a lot of valuable points that were just brought up in this short 20 minutes that we were just discussing all this. It's easy to forget your core principles and your core values very quickly and just be a transactional type person, especially when you're in transactional, transactional mood, which a lot of people are right now. A lot of people are fending for themselves and trying to... Um, keep their businesses afloat, you know, and and it is difficult for people right now. Um, So it it is good to hear to uh, keep your eye on the prize, keep it moving forward. Uh, Hopefully Zach comes back here because I'm only a good filler for about two seconds. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I I just texted him. I'm guessing his computer probably uh, froze or something, but he'll, he'll hop, he'll hop on. You know, one of the questions I was going to talk to him about was good. Who'd you got over there, Dan? No, it was Ryan. He was stopping by. Yeah. Ryan, how about buddy? Nah, he just walked back out. We were swapping. All right, All right here's hey. Zach. There you are. Are you good now? Oh, wait, you're on mute. You're on mute. Zach, you're on mute. Take yourself off mute. There you go. You, you good? All right, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah so- my computer I wasn't charging yeah. We we've we've all had it. Ian, looks like I know that's a, a maintenance closet you're in and that what tell everybody again who's just hopping on, Ian, where are you? Hey, Ryan. We are, we are, I'm in the basement of a maintenance shop at a 76 unit apartment building. So got it. I'm working. Got it. All right. So one, one of the questions we ask a lot of people and um, we can talk about this if you want, but I figured we can skip to the next question is, you know, your thoughts on the current market. If, if buyers are buying, sellers are selling and yeah. things like that. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I it's, can speak it's, to that. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk to that for a second. Then I got to, an interesting question to ask you about a newer or, or a newer real estate investor uh, agents, but go ahead. Let's talk yeah, about that. For yeah. a second. So I did a search. I looked in the last seven days, I looked at the Baltimore Metro area. So Baltimore and the five counties uh, surrounding it. So Anne Arundel, uh, Carroll, Howard, Hartford, Baltimore County, Baltimore city. And it's insane. So new active listings, um, is 45% lower than new pendants. So basically for almost, it's just almost for every one new listing that comes on the market over the last seven days, two go under contract. Wow. So you're, okay. out, you're already dealing with very low inventory. It's historically, historically, it's, there's nothing. I mean, this is, re, I call this the retail market for the most part, but this is, this is actually the whole market regardless of price point, but it's, it's just an inventory shortage. It is a seller's market. Like we've never seen um, anything in the two to 500,000 range. That's, you know, kind of uh, higher up in its individual market where it's selling is, is getting multiple offers. So I've never seen anything quite like this from a perspective of 
there's so many buyers for so few listings. It's so competitive. So, so you think it's a so you think potentially a seller's market, right? Right, right now, now. Right, right now it's a seller's market because there's way more buyers than there is sellers. For yeah, sure. No, it, and that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. And you know, we've been kind of counting the not days anymore, but the months of like April 1st was a big day because we wanted to see how many mortgage payments came in, how many rental payments came in, and then May 1st. Again, and everyone we've talked to, and I mean, we see this firsthand with, you know, the loan applications that we get because, you know, I'm doing dozens and dozens of those a day. So I see who's applying for loans and the, and the numbers that they're buying them at. And in general, just we've noticed there's not enough pain in the marketplace for sell, you know, for, for sellers, not distressed sellers out there for buyers to come and scoop up bargain-based deals. But at this point, it seems like it's still a seller's market. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and the only reason, and I, and I don't think that's surprising, I'm not stating that, but I will tell you that I have seen some pretty good opportunities mm -hmm. for, uh, for real estate investors in the areas that you that you even mentioned that, are, that yeah. are out there compared to 60 days ago. I think so too. I think the investors, I think the, the normal retail buyers have come, have stayed in the market or come into the market at a much faster pace versus, you know, the investment properties. You, you're not, you're not having as many listings like you were before, but you're also some of the buyers left. Like you said, a lot of these hard money lenders went belly up and there's less, you know, there's just less of them now. So I think that the difference between the investment game and the retail game is, the inventory hasn't really changed. It's low across the board, but there's less buyers for investment properties than there were before. Got it. Let, let's uh, let's hop in some of these questions real quick um, before we before I ask you my next question. So let's see. Good afternoon, team. Good stuff, Zach. Hi. Right. So here's a question from Michael. Has the stricter mortgage criteria affected the volume of buyers you see? Are certain pre-range, pre, I guess pre-price range, price ranges affected more than others? Example, 100 to 300, very affected, 300 to 600, yeah. not so much million dollar homes. Yeah. What's your so, thoughts on that? So yes, great question. I think under 300 is definitely different because under 300, it's for, you have a lot of first time home buyers, so you don't have a house to sell. That's one less thing you gotta worry about. Money is stupid cheap, okay? We know that. Um, and then, you know, on, so you have, you have no inventory, cheap money, no assets to sell to buy this next asset. So the frenzy of buyers that I'm seeing is more in that under 300 range for sure. Um, there are the, the income limits and the, some of the different, um, criteria for the lenders has changed. Like some of them have up their credit score requirements to be able to get certain loans specifically like VA and, um, and FHA loans. The, the credit scores have gone up for a lot of lenders. That's not a that's not a, a federal thing. That's a lender by lender can decide how they want to handle that. Um, but I think some of the bigger ones, like the jumbos, you got to put down higher down payment now. Um, so you're you're seeing the luxury market is definitely more affected. Uh, it is probably slightly more of a buyer's market than than the first time buyer market, which is insane. I mean, you know, I've had several listings in the last uh, couple of weeks that have had 20 or more showings within a day or two and five plus offers. And these aren't, you know, these aren't like flips that Crazy. are under value. These are regular market value renovations in some cases after, you know, after renovation. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I don't think you've heard this story, but I've said it pretty openly uh, on the show. We had a rental property that we decided to, to just sell. Uh, we put some money into it instead of turning it over to keep it as a rental. We sold it. And, 
the week before coronavirus, we put it under contract or we listed the property and then uh, got a little nervous, obviously, what was going to happen. The week after this all, sh- you know, coronavirus kind of was full stream and everything was shut down. It went under contract for over over ask. Um, and it was, you know, fair price. It wasn't like, you know, so uh, at, at a fair price, you know, they had some, you, you know, the process of them doing the inspections and the appraisals was a little bit slower, but like we closed on time. The deal closed mm-hmm. at the end of April and like, it was crazy. And, you know, I reached yeah. out to the buyer to ask him what was up. And he was like, the interest rate was low. This was the house in the neighborhood I wanted. There wasn't much inventory like this one worked for me. So it's it crazy. Um, one, other, one, more thing, one more thing, Jay, on that, and I want to mention yep. this. The area that we live in, there's a lot of major infrastructure. So you have like medical, defense contractors, military, IT, distribution hub. Like a lot of these industries are not as affected right now because they're, they're considered stable and essential. And just the area that we happen to live in right now, I, I think that has – because I've been talking to realtors in other parts of the country, and they're not seeing as much activity. Yeah. And, oh, do and, I get to use the word? Do I get to use the word? What's that? I want to Is that your word? word. We're, we're in an insulated market because we're closer to D.C., whether it's government contractors, supply chain contractors. we got the port here. we got all the good stuff going on. So we uh, we definitely agree. We, we've discussed this one, too, uh, very thoroughly. Yeah. And I mean, listen, the DC government, they're, yeah, some of them are working from home. Um, I mean, they're working, right? They haven't, they haven't lost their jobs. There's such a huge amount of people locally that have not been impacted, but I would agree with that price point as well. Maybe not a hundred to 300. I might say 150 to a little higher or, or two or yeah, 200. Yeah. I, I was just talking to, to a, a potential client uh, that had a property in Parkville area. And I was like, Areas like that are great. I was like, we do loans in those areas. There's always demand for properties. There's always buyers and sellers in neighborhoods like that. That's just what it is. And I'm a firm believer. And I, I've had a few people that might disagree with me. And and I'll I won't even use Baltimore. I can use DC instead as this example. That properties are expensive in some in some areas. You know, some of our local markets in general. But I don't think they're completely unrealistic compared to other areas of the country or just in general. And and the reasoning why is you take the what's your mortgage payment compared to if I rented a house next door, what would my rental uh, payment be? And they're very, very realistic. They're 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 aligned. If I go mm-hmm. buy if I go buy a property and flip it in Glen Burnie and I flip it for three hundred thousand dollars, and then new homeowners price would be what uh, mortgage would be what fifteen hundred bucks, sixteen hundred bucks a month, Not higher seventeen whatever seventeen hundred bucks. Yeah. If I go rent a property, it's the same price. And this is arguably in the part of the market that we're towards the height of. That's been increasing over over words. So like, listen, if you could go rent a property for two grand or buy it in a new mortgage before grand, that's an issue, um, right? Because then it's like, what's the point? And there's a lot of public, you know, there's a lot of public um, advocates that are against investing in real estate and, and against owning real estate, maybe not locally, but in parts of the country, because it just doesn't make sense to, you know, why go get a mortgage if it's going to be significantly more expensive than renting a property? Uh, even with all the, even with all the, um, you know, benefits of being a homeowner, it still potentially doesn't make sense. But around here, I believe that in general, they're aligned. So I think that's, so I think that's good. And they're most, mm-hmm. and, and the me, and the median housing price neighborhoods are more aligned than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next question from Dara, 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 hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. What advice do you have for realtors who are building 
uh, or I'm sorry, who are yeah. budding, inve and budding investors themselves. I want to continue to be valuable to my investor client base yeah. while at the same time growing my own portfolio to flip or flips and holds. How can I, um, yeah. how can I do with, how can I do with this? I got good advice on this from somebody. Do both. Um, do both. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, Sorry. it's fine. So do both. Well, can you, how can you do both well? Well, I think you need to number one, kind of stay in your lane. So if, if you're m mostly selling $200,000 properties in Parkville for just take that for example, or 250 houses in Parkville and you're looking at how do I, what type of market do I break into? I mean, that's a good opportunity to say, okay, I can rent that $225,000, $250,000 house out in Parkville for two grand a month. You know, I can, I can buy it. I can have a mortgage all in as an investment property for 1400. This is all the numbers, but the point is buying the areas that you know already, like don't go into multifamily because Ian does it like you can, but start somewhere where you, you know, that product, you know, the tenants that are going to be coming in and you, that's what somebody who was way more it, it has better advice for this told me. And yes, I have done holds. I have done flips. Just did my first flip. It's under contract. It's going really well. It's going to settle in two weeks. Um, but I say to what you know and and who you're surrounding yourself with. And don't just go and do the next shiny investment because you heard about it. Be educated on whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this question, Dara. Uh, me and Jason talk about all this, this all the time that real estate agents should be <laughs> – you would think that they would be great investors, that you guys have all the market data, you understand the information very well. And Zach just brought up a very, very good point is that operate in areas that you know, right? If you understand that area, you're gonna have market knowledge better than anybody else. One, you're gonna be the best realtor in that area. Number two, you'll be the best buyer and flipper in that area. And number three, you definitely be a great renter in that area um, or a landlord because you can explain to your tenants all the advantages and most importantly, you have an exit strategy for all all of your models, and it gives you a great reason to continue to market in that area. Uh, I'll be straight up honest with you. I was most comfortable in the hood. That's where I got my start, right? Because the firehouse I worked in was in a, not the best neighborhood in the world, and I understood that market. I understand how the people work, and I understand I could buy houses cheap. That's what worked for me. We've slowly but surely blossomed into you know the next shiny you know i hate to say next shiny object but the next better asset class and worked our way up um i think another great point that zach brings up or we would all agree on <clears throat> is just take a small little bite don't lose sight of what your core essential business is i me and jason 100 believe that real estate agents should be investing in their future um it's a very transactional business now's the time that kind of proves that it can shut off at any given time <clears throat> you should have some sort of passive income um, but take it slowly, but surely if you normally do four transactions a month and you can say, you know what, I'm going to take one of those tractions, wipe it off my books. And I'm going to just do one house for myself and I'm still going to do three and I'm going to do this three really well. And I'm going to do one for myself Then do it. Um, we, we totally agree. Don't lose sight of what you do. Well, um, still provide the value that you should to your clients, but do take some time for yourself. Uh, hundred percent. Yeah. I love this. And you got to decide, yeah. you got to decide what you like, you know? I, I don't work with only investors, sellers. I work with mostly sellers, about 70% seller agent. But I also like the families and the, you know, the people that are moving up or moving down or whatever, the, the, the history of the home. 
I like that too. So you have to know yourself. And I didn't just want to be a listing agent of, of flips. I do list flips. I work with investors, but I work with my other ones too, because again, you don't want to, you want to diversify yourself and you want to be working with different kinds of people. So Jason, sorry. Oh, that was good. No, I, I agree. I mean, my, my take on it, unfortunately, is that a lot of real estate agents um, are, are notorious to be, you know, great at selling real estate and not great at owning and operating real estate. And, and again, like, there's always a time to start, right? And, you know, it's fine. But again, you know, you sell one property a month and let's say you make 5,000 bucks a month and you sell a hundred properties a month and make whatever that is substantially higher. It's still active, hard work, grinding income. It's not having your money work for yourself. You know, if that spigot gets, you know, capped and, and you're, you're out. And, and again, most people, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with real estate and agents. It's every business. Most businesses are transactional. You do a loan. Uh, you, you do a loan, you, you sell a soccer ball, whatever it is, and it's one transaction. But the beauty of being in real estate investing and, you know, obviously flipping a house and selling a piece of real estate is very similar transaction. It's a one-time fee. But if you're buying rental properties, you're investing in notes, you, you have other creative ways, buying apartment buildings, other creative ways that you have residual income and building wealth. And the reason why I think real estate invest agents, sorry, I, I say real estate investors all day. I don't say agents that much. So, um, <laughs> But the, but the reason why I believe real estate agents sh uh, should do this is they have the upper hand more than anybody, right? They, they are in the, they're in the industry. And, they, and this doesn't mean take that away from the core business. But I think what Ian said of like, hey, hey, I sell five properties, I buy one property. I sell five properties, I buy one property. And then next thing you know, like it, it works. I mean, you know, time flies. I mean, like look back. Zach of like when you started in 2014 and where you are today. I mean, Ian, think about the first property you bought. I mean, I can tell you the first 17 loans that I did in 2007 when we started, like you remember that. And then you like, like time flies. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and, it's, and it's hard to get, it's hard to like not get caught up in your day-to-day -day transactional work of like, Hey, I could do this over here. But why? Because if I sell this house, I'm gonna make 5,000 bucks. If I buy this rental property, I'm gonna make 250 bucks a month. It's no money. What's the point? And the point is, is it grows and it snowballs yeah. and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think since Dara's still watching, because I see her still commenting on the side, I think another valuable way that you can invest in real estate and not lose sight of your day-to-day -day transactions is whatever neighborhood you're working in, you probably know the best investors in that area. Why do the whole project yourself? Maybe you can just invest some money into the deal. Uh, maybe you can be a JV partner in the deal and, and, and work your fee out with them. There's a, there's other ways to skin the cat where you don't have to take on the whole risk. Um, and again, you should have the best market knowledge out of everybody at that table. Yeah. My, my flip, I just did, I partnered with my builder because I don't like, I mean, I don't know anything about that. So <laughs> I'm not going to get involved. Yeah. In it. I'm just going to, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to give design advice and how to set up the house. That's, that's, that's my value. The same, the same thing. When we used to do, when we used to do a lot of buy, you know, buys with people and hold with people, we put up the capital and they did all, they did everything else because that's my superpower. You guys each know your superpower. All right, let's do th two more quick questions. Um, and Ian, if you have to roll, no problem. Um, yeah, I was gonna Zach, say, well, I'm out. I got out. Yeah. Thanks, right. man. Yeah, right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, man. I'll, I'll finish up with Zach real quick. Uh, all right, two more questions and we'll, uh, sure, sure. we'll call it a day. What would you what would you recommend uh, real estate agents, either ones getting started right now or even some that are successful right now, do currently? What um, when chances are, 
um, their transactional work is a little bit less than it was before. Like what, what are mm-hmm. some things that they would, uh, um, like, what, like, what would you concentrate on? Like, sure. What would be like an actionable I think, game? Plan? I, think, I think something, a game plan to, to, that really still works for me. Cause I'm, I, I'm very simple. Like I still have a, I know you're the whiteboard guru, but you know, like I have a whiteboard, I'm staring at it right now on the other side of the screen. It's got all my potential prospects. These are written, handwritten people that I'm looking to work with as buyers or sellers. So first and foremost, have a, have a way to look at your leads. If you're, if you're in our business where, you know, you're not handling 50 new buyers that you might be working with five or it's even a successful, really, you know, productive agent might have five or 10 buyers at a time. So, you know, I have them in my CRM, but I also have them written down in front of me. So getting yourself organized is, is a great time to do that and say, okay, I need to make my, I call it an A, B, and C list. You know, your A list is your best clients that are like your family, not necessarily in your family, but you you really interact with them like family. Maybe they've given you a bunch of referrals. Maybe they haven't, whatever the case is. You have your Bs, which are kind of the next group. And then you have your Cs, which you're trying to get into your As and Bs. So organize your A, Bs, and Cs. Get your people that, you know, you're looking to reach out to. Um, and then just like check in with people. Like it's, I have a, I have, a, uh, I have a, like an automated gifting service that I use that I send to my A plus clients every quarter. They get something from me. Um, but like I text people, I write notes, I call them. Like, I'm just, I'm just checking in with you. Like, I'm not talking about real estate. Hey, how are, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Are you hanging in there? You know, and I'm not even bringing up real estate because at the end of the day, Jason, they know what we do at this point. Like if they're, if we're, if you're in my circle in my sphere, you probably know I'm a realtor and I don't have to remind you every five seconds. So just by me being a friend to you and me being there for you and helping me, maybe you need a connection. Maybe you need a new lawn guy or an HVAC guy. It goes without saying, if I'm professional and you know that, you're probably going to refer me anyway. So yep. I think instead of thinking about, because so many people right now, I think the, the natural reaction is a survival instinct. Like I got to get all these deals, like, right? Because I'm going to go broke. Well, why not not have that mentality? Because it never works long-term anyway. And say, who do I want to be? Like I said, who do I want to be to my people? Do I want to be this nagging person who's just checking in with them every five seconds, trying to get their business? Or do I want to position myself differently and say, all right, I'm going to check in with these people. I'm going to organize myself. And I'm just going to be strategic about giving people what they need. Hey, can I help you with anything right now? And making that list. Build that list because if you write it down and you keep it in front of you, you're going to remember it a lot better than if you just have it in your memory. So get organized and, and simplify. The, the hard sale never works. And if you're known as the person of like, oh, this person's calling again. I want to, they're just going to ask me like when I'm moving or whatever. Like that doesn't work. That's, that's like that, that doesn't work. It's providing value. If, you know, if, if everyone, whoever's listening or watching or whatever platform you're on, it, if you go to Hard Money Bankers emails, you know we've sent out about a thousand emails since 2007, uh, different email copy, and all of them are the same. There's not any hard, there's no selling in any of them. It's providing value. It's just- It's providing hey, information. It, 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 it's exactly, it's providing information, knowing that, hey, you have our contact information. You have our email address. If you wanna reach out any more information, we're here to help. But like, we're, it's not, it, it just gets old. Like. If if you're on, I'm trying to think of some like really bad examples of, you know, I this might not be funny for everybody else, but it's funny for hard money lender groups that Chris and I are involved in. Like we laugh when we see these uh, 
the, the only emails that ever come out, the only content they provide is, hey, I just closed another loan of $300,000. Hey, I just closed another loan. It's like, that's your business. You should be closing loans. What value is it for me to know that you closed the loan? You gotta be providing value and value. And that's, and, and unfortunately, like, it it's hard for people to do if they're not used to it. To me, it's easy because I've been doing it for so long and it's on the top of my head. Like, you know, think about where you daydream in general. Like I daydream in the shower and when I drive, like those are my two places that I know I daydream. And because I know I'm going to daydream in those two particular places, like it's just like clockwork. Like, what am I going to talk about in my private money minute day? What am I going to talk about with Zach today? What am I going to talk about on this stuff? And it's just like content, content, kind of, what are we going to write in our emails today? So if you train yourself to help bring value to people and learn when those aha moments that you currently have you write you write them down. It's it just it's endless. It, it, it's content. Like how can I help my? How can Zach help his clients flip a house? How can he help them? You know, if they're in financial times, how can they? Whatever it is, and yeah. provide value, 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 value. And nobody wants to do the hard work long term. But like that's yeah. where it is. Like we're that's the business you're in. I mean, I hate to say it, but like anybody can be a lender. Anyone can sell real estate. Like it's not it's not brain surgery. Like I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I could switch, you know, Zach and I could completely switch roles and we'd still be successful because, you know, the key principles that we follow and everyone should follow the same things. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, provide, providing value. And like, that's just, it's just what it is. But you're, I think the thing, that, the, the thing that you, that you guys do really well that I try to do is you, you attract, it's like, are you, I ask, are you attracting business? Or are you extracting business? And what I mean is you should be attracting it by doing the right things and adding the value versus extracting it, which is, you know, something saying like, Hey, you know, who do you know that's looking to buy or sell that? That's a, that's a, a aggressive active movement where if I say, if I'm just really good and I, and I put out content and people can just see it and they're like, you know what? He's actually is good. It's not him just saying that he's good. Then they're going to use you. I mean, it just, that's just the simple way business works. So the key is find a way, like you said, to attract business by providing value. And then the hard sell doesn't even come into the picture because they want to work with you. There's no sell. There's nothing to sell. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not selling. And also when you, when you work like that, then there's the social proof element, you know, yeah. Hey, the, 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 the referral thing. Listen, if someone gives you a referral, if I pick up the phone and says, hey, you worked with so-and-so, they liked you, what's there to sell? Gold. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I tell people, if you, if, you can't, if you can't get a referral to work with you, then you're not a good agent because yep. they're, they're basically coming to you for you to F it up unless you don't. You know what I mean? Yep. They're, they're already ready to use you. So those are the people that you know, you really need to treat as gold. I mean, not you treat everybody the same, but I mean, like sure. people that have been referred to you statistically are better referrers of future business to you. So yeah. it's statistically, if you're looking at it from a business and a lead perspective, someone that is referred to you is a better lead than someone who isn't referred to you and is, you know, found some yeah. other way. Exactly. And, and, you know, we, we obviously don't want to make it come off that it's super rosy. Like it's the long play. Like if you're in it for the short term, it's not a business. It's just not like it's got to be done. So like right now, you know, I hate to say it, but like something you do today is not going to benefit you today. I mean, there are cases that could potentially happen. You know, the work that you put in today is going to benefit you tomorrow. And that was the point of some of the stuff Zach was talking about of things to work on right now 
if you're home, if you have less transactional work, um, if you don't, you know, have to go show houses right now because you can't show houses or whatever the case is, you have less time, do it, you know, set up your system, set up your strategies, maybe potentially make some calls to, you know, find another mortgage broker to work with that, see what their lending products are, whatever the case is. But I mean, I'm a huge advocate of creating content for people and putting it on social and email databases. I believe that, you know, if, if you use the metrics of, um, you know, you take your top line, you take your top line revenue, right? And then you divide it by your total count of your email address, or your, your email list, and you figure out what that dollar sign is. That's how you know what each individual person on your email list is worth, right? So, and it's, so, you know, it's, you know, it could be a lot of money in that particular case, right? So we have 70,000 people on our email list that are local real estate in, in, investors in general. You know, I take my, my top line revenue and then I determine what, every email address is worth worth it to me. And there's a lot of metrics I use on that in general, but like, that's just what the number is. We send out multiple emails, I'm providing content on that. If I want and I wanna to try to go acquire a new client, I use that as a metrics and I, I'm getting a little too far ahead in advance, but hey, you're, say, building, hey, you're talking about you're building on it. You're building on, you're building on, it's your body of work that matters, right? Yeah, ex exactly. So it's like, cool. Um, every one of my email list is worth 50 bucks to me a month or whatever, or whatever the case is. And if I want an, a new person, a new lead, a new email address that I don't know, that means I can spend, you know, I have to spend less than $50 a month to back it up. But like, those are just games that we play to know what the true value of, of the business is. So I got, we got a little far ahead on that, but provide value. That's the goal. Um, yeah. And uh, measure it and measure it is yeah. what you're saying. Provide value and measure how it's making an impact. That's exactly right. So, all right, one last question, and then uh, you can give everybody info where to find you. Yeah. Where, where, where do you believe uh, the at least the local real estate market's going to go that you're that you operate in? Like, what's your if you had, um, you know, whatever if you could see into the future, uh, next month, six months from now, a year, two, five years from now, where do you think the market's going to go? So I think a lot of people will start to initially compare it. I wasn't in the business like you were when the, when the market crashed, you had just gotten in, I guess, in doing what you're doing now. So it's hard to compare it to that because there's so many economic factors that are different, right? The first thing people want to say is, well, well, last time that happened, these were, well, you had all this inflation, you had the subprime mortgages, you had all these other things at play that were really propping up the market before the crash even happened. So right now, the, the, what we were going into the market as prior to COVID was the strongest, you know, organic market that, that we've ever seen. Um, and I mean that by, you know, year over year uh, appreciation from the crash, you know, we're back up to 90% where it was. Um, you had all this inventory set to come on until the inventory increases in this area. And I'm talking, I'll start because I guess the investment side is affected a little bit. Second, you have like the red market and the retail market where, there's no inventory. So until the inventory comes on, will you have less buyers? Well, maybe if, if something bad happens, but you're still going to have a, a lack of inventory. So the first time buyer price range for for foreseeable future, I'll say the rest of the year, because I don't want to predict more than six months out, will be strong. Um, I think that if we have secondary employment is affected by the long-term effects, like the three to six months after this initial wave hits, if a bunch more people lose their jobs, then that's certainly going to create an issue. But I think it depends on what the mortgage industry is going to do with their guidelines. Are they going to continue to tighten up? That's going to that's going to box buyers out. Um, 
And, you know, beyond that, it, it comes down to just the ability to borrow money. I mean, if, if people can still get money cheap, the interest rates don't go up, which they're, I've been hearing they're probably not going to for a little while now. Um, they're in the, you know, the normal interest rate for like an FHA or conventional is like low threes. Some people are getting them under three. I mean, VA, crazy. So uh, I think it's going to remain a seller's market for the for the time being. And I, I would hope that it'll become more of a buyer's market when when people get the, the buyer, the seller's lost confidence when this happened quickly, quicker than the buyers did. So the sellers are still kind of waiting around to see what happens. So I think if they start opening things back up in the next month or two, I think you will see more uh, more transactions, more active listings um, happening. But I, long term, I mean, Jay, it's so hard to say. You know, I, I think right now, just gotta you gotta sit out. I mean, I'm, I'm confident in you know everything I'm doing, everyone I'm working with. Um, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. So, yeah, no, I I agree. And you know, the beauty of it is you you know you you learn every day and you adapt as needed. I mean, I would guess you're probably accurate that over the summer into the fall, we're going to have like a little boom as things continue to open up and, you know, there's more transactions kind of available. And then, you know, the big thing is the interest rates and who knows how long that's going to happen. And obviously the presidency will determine that as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, when the time when the time comes. But, you know, if interest rates go up from the low threes to the low fours, it's still a low interest rate, but that changes purchasing power very, very quickly. And yeah. uh, I'm hoping that if it all, as it happens, it happens low. And unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like that. But um, the writing's on the wall, and it's been on the wall. And who knows, if this was just a, literally a speed bump, and then the mark goes back to where it is, that's kind of scary, I would say. Um, because who knows, that could just been like a manipulate. I, I don't know. It's, it's funky. I, I would guess that things are going to change. But I do believe that where we're at, as long as you're doing good, solid deals, and you know people can stay investors in, in general can stay liquid um, and, you know, kind of change as needed. And, you know, hopefully they, you know, hope, hopefully market stays strong and we'll kind of see where that goes. All right. Mm -hmm. um, Peter, I think your question is you just want to reach out to one of us. I'll give you my email below and then uh, Zach can type in his email as well in a second, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but I'm getting, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure who you mean call. Who you call sure to, but... No, this is for you. It looks like more for you. Hard money. Okay. Hard money. That's fine. Listen. I'm happy. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm happy. I'm, what actually? What's? Why don't I just give? Well, I give everybody your info real quick. We'll just end yeah. with that, Zach. That's probably so good. Yeah, just Zach Bryant. Zach Bryant Real Estate of North of Realty is my um my Facebook my business page. But you can friend me, Zach Bryant. I have Zach Bryant underscore re on on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't really use Twitter. Um, my my email address. My name is spelled Zach Z A C K, and then my email address is just Zach Bryant at northrealty.com. And um. Anything, you, any questions you have, if you need a connection to anybody else that's maybe not necessarily even in real estate or lending, I'm certainly always help, open to help and anything I can do. I spelled that right. I think so. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Zach. Um, yeah. What was, was fun in any last words for everybody before we hop on? We had Just, we had a good yeah. 40, 45 people on live at any given time, which is good. Typically, um, you know, we have a few thousand local real estate real estate investors and agents and real estate professionals tune in and we try to do the show as much as possible, but yeah, any last words and we'll end with that. I would say, um, your attitude, not your aptitude determines your altitude. Zig Ziglar. Should I comment that real quick below? If you want.
If you want, you got to keep talking for like thirty <laughs> seconds while I <laughs> I take all that. No, I'm a I'm a big zig I'm a big zig guy. You uh, okay. you mentioned some other some Gary V and some other players. These are people that were well before that. I am more of old school. They're great guys too. Um, uh, you said Brunson. He's like the the what the click funnels. Um, and then I, would, I was my partner Chris and I used to be were one of the original members in his first in his mastermind group years ago. Not that long ago, but six years ago or whatever. Right, it was pre click funnels. Is right when he started click funnels. And I'm such a big believer in in all of it, and um, just because it's it's so related to the stuff that we do. I mean, it's in mm-hmm. and, and one of the reasons, and you probably don't know this, but the, the reason why, and Ian's a big follower of him as well. The reason we're doing this show right now is because I was listening to. You know, you know how you listen to someone for a long period of time and they do daily podcasts and everything, and then you kind of just take a break, mm-hmm. um, just because like you have a you have a clear vision and a clear game plan of where you want to be. Well, I've had that clear game plan, so I stopped listening to his stuff and I started focusing on some other stuff. And then I was taking a walk like right when this happened, and I was listening to one of his podcasts because it caught my attention. And it was like this is the time that all of us should be going all in with our audience um, and our following to provide them value because they need your help more than ever. Like it's, it's kind of our obligation. Like I'm on the front lines of real estate investors every day. Cause I get dozens and dozens of investors that I speak to every day. You know, I, I have relationships with you and agents and title companies and other hard money lenders. Like I need to spread that word and share the information with everybody because not everybody, you know, is, is as active as we all, as we all are. So it's mm-hmm. important to, to share that. And that really resonated with me and I didn't, and you know, I reached out to Ian and I was like, instead of it being like the hard money bankers way, like let's get another perspective and bring you involved in, as well. And we kind of collectively did it and we were able to kind of get some great experts and guests like yourself to, you know, to share, to share it. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks for doing everything. I mean, you're obviously a pioneer in your industry and you're doing a great job. I see it. And, um, you know, thank you for having me. You no problem. You want to you want to answer one one last question? What, what do we got? What do we got? Yeah, one last question. I'll read it to you from Linda. I'm a realtor. I was and I was doing quarantine, but I'm surprised some agents are very busy. So I'm a little scared to go back out to work. Zach, what do you recommend me to do to go out? And yeah, I mean that's definitely def, definitely personal decision. Um, I certainly recommend you know following the guidelines: gloves, mask, what, hand sanitizer, whatever you're going to bring. Um, I've found that again. Um, People are more open to it, generally speaking, than you would think. Um, so I, I kind of just let people make their own decisions. But I would just say, be safe. Talk to your broker. You know, our broker was very – actually, our broker got – it was funny. They came out right away when when um, National Associ- or Maryland Association of Realtors said so they didn't want to showing houses. This uh, – this, uh, our broker said, you know, you can go still show houses because the CD says, C says you can. Um, so it's up to you. but. You know, again, you got to be, you got to be hopeful and stay safe, but it, you can do it. It's got to be just got the proper questions. Cool. Appreciate it. Hi, right, man. I'm going to log off for now and we will chat yeah. soon. Take care, man. Talk to you guys Thanks. soon. Thank you. Take Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast. Do us a favor and like, comment, and share our broadcast. It helps the algorithm and helps us spread the word too. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in.